Hello, everyone, and welcome to Why My Parents Worry About Me. I'm Taylor. And I'm Mana, and you're listening to a podcast where we spin the globe, land on a random city, and share stories of true crime, folklore, and a touch of paranormal that truly makes our parents worry about us. This week's How episode... You doing? Oh. <laughs> we do. We always do We always do, do this. Um, I guess I'll go first. I'll start. Yeah, I'm being polite. This week's episode is exciting for us because it's very personal to you, huh? Yeah, I... I've been trying to avoid the city just because I didn't want to be like right into where I, the only place I can pronounce the names of. Um, but here we are, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah. I don't think we've ever talked like extensively about your soul trip. Actually, it wasn't really a trip, it was like a life. You know what I mean? Like you were there <laughs> a for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I, so if you haven't gotten the hints, we've been dropping down. Our episode this week will be in Seoul, South Korea, and I lived there for two years when I was doing my master's, so this place is um, a place I really look back on fondly, honestly. Mm-hmm. What was, like, your favorite food that you tried there? Okay, so if you heard me on the podcast, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. First and foremost. However, <laughs> Korea is a place that doesn't have a lot of vegetarian options, and especially not vegan options, because... Mm. Um, Although they're very modern, it's just, you know, not as many people. It's still a very traditional culture, and not as many people are vegetarian. So um, my favorite meal there was a soup called oxbone soup. And I would ask for no meat in it, but the broth is still oxbone, so that's Mm -hmm. why it's not vegetarian. Gotcha. Um, But I wouldn't actually eat the meat. And it's pretty much like an oxbone broth. So, like, the whole name is salongtong, and it's – a broth with noodles and rice in it. And there's mm-hmm. this one place I'd go to by my university that was absolutely delicious. It was mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> a night after drinking, you just go and get some soup or even just like it was a cold day, just go get some soup or a hard day class. Oh, that place was so good. <laughs> I think about it all the time. <laughs> it sounds like um, elevated ramen to me. Yeah. And you can put like hot spicy stuff in it or mm-hmm. salt, even just like garlic it was so mm-hmm. good. You can like dress it up how you want. Is it like American hot or like no just Korean hot. hot? Okay, cool. Yeah, where it like hurts. Yeah, <laughs> I always really think hurts. it's funny when people are like, like especially in our culture, we're like, oh yeah, we love spicy foods, but it's like the mild version. <laughs> I want to so feel funny. my stomach after I eat. <laughs> <laughs> no, because honestly, a lot of the Asian spices are so they hurt you. Mm-hmm. They're good. Don't get me wrong. Like so I seem like. I still make, uh, I still make Korean dishes when I'm home right now, but do you? It hurts. Oh yeah. What do you make? Um, I make this one to- tofu thing. Oh, the name it's like puche, puche jim or something like that, where it's a uh, tofu with hot spicy sauce, garlic, mm-hmm. onions, and like soy sauce, and you like fry the tofu, and then you put in onions, and you put in the hot spicy paste. It's mm-hmm. like gochujang sauce, and um. I'll make it and my parents get mad at me because it's so hot. It actually fills the room <laughs> with spice and it hurts uh, to be in the kitchen. That's so funny. Do you like cube your tofu or do you like – I I don't love cubed tofu. Oh, oh, I do slices. So I'll okay. get like an entire – you know like the little, how they come in like a little square rectangle yeah. container. And then I'll like slice it long way like a hot dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like one, two – you know what I mean? And okay. then go down like hot dog. Hot dog style? Yeah. It's either hot dog or hamburger. Yeah. So they're more like rectangles and cubes. <laughs> it's so weird that we measure Reference things horizontal like that. or vertical with <laughs> oh, hamburger that's a word. Y. Yeah. 
Well, I just think it's funny because all growing up, it was like, if it's horizontal, it's what? A hamburger? If hot it's dog. vertical, it's a hot dog or vice versa. I don't remember. Oh my God. Wait. No. Okay. Horizontal's a hot dog. Uh-huh. Hamburger's vertical. One of the two. But I, literally, like that transition happened so abruptly. Like they didn't tell you all of a sudden, like, okay, the hamburger is transitioning over to, they were like, no, this is vertical now. I know. You're done. And we just accepted it and we were like, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, this is fine. Why? That's such a weird, did every school do this? Mine mine did. Yours obviously did. It must be an yeah. American thing. Well, it's just, okay. So like if there's a piece of paper, eight mm-hmm. by 11, eight by 11 inches, um, mm-hmm. if you fold it in half at the halfway, like halfway point. Yeah. Hamburger. Hamburger. But right. if you do it with like Oh God! See, it's so weird. So vertical so is technically like going, hot dog, but it's like yeah, I don't know how to it's explain going, it. Like, up and down. Yeah, oh, I guess. that's a way. So okay, if you have an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper in front of you, and you're, it's like you're writing a letter. If you were to break it into the top half and the bottom half, it would be hamburger. Yeah. But if you if you made it longwise, it would be hot, hot dog. dog. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That's God. so weird. <laughs> I just I, I can think about it yeah. in my head, but trying to explain it is so hard. It is. I have you have to like physically show people. Yeah, I love that this is like an American universal thing. For I, it's very strange, or it's at least a Midwestern thing, because I feel like they may have a different name for it. It's the same thing with like north, um, northeast, southwest. How I learned the compass. Never eat, Never soggy, eat waffles. soggy waffles, but not Hell every yeah. place has that. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out until my, what, fourth grade teacher was like, never eat soggy waffles. And I was like, what? Yeah, whoa. What? I will remember this forever because I would I, always mess here up we are. west and east. It's so hard. It was hard when you were a kid or like left and right was even hard for me. Yeah. Do you do the thing with your L where yeah, it's I like, do. do you have to physically open your hand and do it? No. I used oh, to until like grade six. Oh, uh-huh. Grow up, Taylor. Like, driving my car is chaotic. <laughs> Put on your left turn signal. You're like, uh, uh, uh. Left hand open, left wheel turning. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so glad we ha- both have that experience. Oh, my God. Honestly, I've become so right. I'm very right-handed. Mm. That is so dominant now. I have, like... It's actually kind of sad. I'm like, no, I am so weak on my left side now that I think that's why. I'm like, right oh, side I know automatically. That's so interesting. I yeah. I can do most things with my left and right hand. I would say that I, I'm a little bit more ambidextrous than a normal person. That's because you're so creative and artistic. That's why. Sure. I'll take it. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I don't think that's the reason. I think that I was supposed to write with my left hand, but then I was like, right hand's fine. Everyone else is doing it. And that's... Aw, peer pressure. (laughs) Uh, Little Taylor. (laughs) Yeah, but at least you get to do two things with both hands. I cannot even, like, pick up anything with my left hand without being like, how do I do this? (laughs) Okay, I gotta really use all my brain cells. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's really funny. What, um... I want to keep asking questions about Seoul because I'm just so interested. And we haven't really talked extensively about your trip. No. Um, honestly. Or time there, really. Um, so I don't want to, like, make it my personality. So I like to... True. Like, if people ask, I'm there, but... Here, we're on episode 26. So I feel like if people don't understand your personality by now, that's on them. They had 26. Right. 
episodes to figure out who you are as a human being. And stop listening. Yes. And (laughs) stop listening uh, at episode 10. And now it's fine. Yeah, now you're stuck. Now we got the real listeners here. So um, why did you choose to go to Seoul? Um, So I studied abroad there in my Mm -hmm. bachelor's. And it... um, I don't know why I actually chose, like, Korea. I think at first I was supposed to go to Italy. I actually have a visa for Italy for, like, 2016. Like, it's still in my passport. And then Italy didn't really work out because I changed my major. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, let's go somewhere where, like, I know no one really has been. So I found this third-party program that I went through, and they were like, oh, go to Korea University. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then, Mm -hmm. like, two weeks later, my friend was watching a K-drama, and I was like, oh, why don't I just go to Korea? <laughs> and so then that's kind of just how it worked out. Like it just, you know, kind of lined up. And mm-hmm. then after sitting abroad there, I was like, wait, I actually like this place. Why don't I just go here for my master's? It's so much cheaper than in America, mm-hmm. as I'm sure people know. And so it just kind of ended up that way. That's awesome. I think it's fun that it like really relates to your major and they had it in your, like they had a master's that related to your bachelor's so nicely. I think mm-hmm. that's really cool. I also envy you for like actually doing it. I know a lot of people were like, oh, I'm going to study abroad. And then they like sat in their dorm for four years and it's, that's not what they did. Uh, that's like me. <laughs> but I, well, I sat at my parents' house instead. So if you're going to study abroad, where would you go? Me? Um, I mean, there's lots of places that I would like to go. Um, I think Sweden would be really cool just because they're it's known. Gorgeous. I, it's like, gorgeous. I've seen photos. Um, it's cold and very pretty the northern lights all that like I love that um Mm -hmm. I think the the other reason is it relates to my major they are really great with technology um Mm -hmm. I believe bluetooth was made in Sweden uh something I use literally every single day now that I have an iphone and (laughs) sold your soul sold your soul to the devil i really truly did um one beef that i do have with the iphone is there's no phone uh like earplug jack what is that like why don't why is there no headphone jack it's because they want you to do bluetooth and buy their airpads and spend money that's why little do they know i'm poor and i don't buy (laughs) airpads i buy something really cheap online and I've had a return to with them already because they broke up. So. <laughs> and I still refuse to buy their AirPads. Are there, do you say AirPads? Is that what they're called? No, that's AirPods. AirPods. Okay. Sorry. No, no, no. I can't I got speak you. normal English. I was like, frick, have I been saying it the wrong way? Because I am. So embarrassing. I am a person that says the wrong thing constantly until somebody corrects me. I'm like, <laughs> I will say your last name wrong. For a million years. and How then, long did it take you to say my name? I mean, you told me your, how to say your name, like, right away. But we, I called you the wrong name for a couple weeks before uh, the Christmas party. And then I said your name out loud for the first time to you. And you and one of our close friends laughed really hard and then repeated <laughs> what I said and then <laughs> continued to laugh. And I... And that's when you got anxiety for the first time. <laughs> Sorry, you probably said it really funny. Can't remember I, now, but it was probably um, funny. I feel like I said Muna. Yeah, it's normal. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I will go first, and I this week will be talking about the Tijon Pa family murders. So this is a the, the like English name is just Tijon. So that's how I will be addressing it. So this is 
They're they're called a family, but really they're more like a gang. So this is mostly okay. just a gang of convicts that was founded in 1993. Hmm. Their founder slash like leader was Kim Ki Hwan, who was a former convict. Um, and he his past like he didn't have a terrible past, pretty normal. Um, he was even though he was top of his class, he had to skip a lot of school due to his family's financial problems. And then at a young age, he had to move to Busan to work at a factory in Busan's like lower in Korea. It's south, okay. um, south of Seoul. And then he ended up doing more manual labor in Seoul. And yeah, so he just always had money problems. And it wasn't until 1993 where he met the other members of his gang in a poker game. And the other followers were former prisoners slash like unemployed workers. So it was just a mixture. Mm-hmm. So first member was Moon San Rok, who was 23 and he had three prior convictions. Kim Hwan Young, who was 22. Kang Dong Eun, who was 21, with two prior convictions in special larceny. Pak Byung Yuk, who was 20 and committed two special robberies. Kang Won Sup, who was 20. And there's one female m- member named Lee Gong Sok who met um, Ka- um. I'll just say their full names because some of them have the same last name. Um, okay. Just because so in Korea, like culture, like. Not Korean culture, but in the past, Korea kind of a lot of Koreans descend from the same last name just mm-hmm. because of royalty and whatnot. So, cool. I'll say their full names. Um, so she met Kang Dong Yun at a coffee house, and they dated, and he paid off all her debts that she had going on. So then she was like, "Oh, it's cool. I'll just be part of this gang." Casual, casual. So, um, as a gang, they had like one big whole concept that they shared together was that they hated the rich. So why Tijun as a name? It was a name that the prosecutors on the case gave it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim wanted the name. So when I say Kim, I'll just reference the leader just mm-hmm. so you guys know. Um, just not, I know there's a lot of members of this gang, so I don't want to get too much confusion. So right. I'll just say Kim for the leader, and I'll mm-hmm. say the full names for the members. Okay. So Kim wanted to name the group Maskan, which is a Greek word for ambition. But that's not true. It's not. <laughs> no one really knows where he pulled that out of. He <laughs> but just, he was like, this means that. <laughs> it's like all the girls from early 2000 that like got Chinese characters on their lower back. And it says like water or fish. So or, like, embarrassing. Like whatever. So along with the fact that they hated the rich, Kim set up three doctrines for them to live by. So no- first one was, we hate those with plenty of money. A traitor to the group must be killed. And three, do not trust a woman, not even your mother. So they started their their plan. They wanted to gather a billion won, which is about one million two hundred fifty thousand. No, yeah, one hundred million two hundred fifty thousand dollars in nineteen ninety three by working construction zones of Budong Dunsan. This is like, um, Budong is like south of Seoul, um, southeast kind of, Meh, south. So it's um because Seoul and Daejeon at the time were still developing, so these were mm-hmm. major areas that still had construction zones. So they used that money that they all made by working, but uh, they used it together for a small incineration facility, two vehicles, walkie-talkies, a military sword, a hiking knife, electric prod, and they all bought this through an illegal broker. So on June seventeenth, nineteen ninety-three, Kim, the leader of the gang, actually raped his niece and was later convicted. Later that year, Miss Choi was a 20-year-old woman who the gang abducted, raped, and murdered in July 18th. They took her to a heel, gang raped her, and that's when the leader choked her and said to the 
other members, this is how you kill a person. They considered this practice. This was because she was not wealthy, so they just wanted to, like, I don't know, see if they could get do it and get away with it. Wow. Later, villagers found her body, and the police found no motive or anything. So it was just, like, a open case at the time. The second murder that they committed was Song Bunin, who was a member of the gang who was 18. I mentioned before. He forged his brother's ID, so he was pretending to be 23, but he was actually 18. He managed the gang's funds, but escaped from the gang with 3 million won, which is probably like, I know now that's like 3000 or yeah, like $3,500 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found him later hiding in his relative's home in Shihung in August 1993. They were not happy because obviously he stole from them and he was a traitor. Remember the doctrine? Right. They took him to a secluded area near their incineration facility and kill him. They then brought a dog over, killed the dog, and ate it at the same location. What the hell? I know. But they don't eat people, right? Anyways. <laughs> I this- ask if they eat people because you're obsessed with cannibals. <laughs> this- <laughs> and you're just like, anyways. <laughs> I picked the story for a reason. <laughs> Oh my god, eat the rich. Literally. <laughs> I was gonna make that joke oh, later. No. Okay, you can still make it, but I hate you. <laughs> I know because we always like joke about how I always do cannibals. So I was like, I found the story and I was like, How did I this not see this in the research? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I looked at so it's many wild. stories. Okay, keep going, keep going. I gotta know. Okay. <laughs> So after this um, second murder is when Kim actually got arrested for the rape of his niece. So at this point, he's put away in jail, and the other members are kind of running wild, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing their thing, listening, doing what their leader told them to do, essentially. Mm-hmm. Being feral. Being feral. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they decided to kidnap a couple. The man was 34, and also, so people know, in Korean Usually in Korea news and media, they don't use names. A lot of mm. time they protect the names. So going back to the gang. So the man was 34 and a musician, and the woman was 27, a cafe worker. Um, neither were wealthy, but the man drove a Hyundai Grandeur, which was a sign of wealth at the time. So this, they were mistaken as wealthy folks. Mm. On September 8th, 1994, at 3 a.m., the gang waited by a motel that uh, by the motel that the couple was in. They trapped the man in the car with their car, so they like you know what I mean. They like blocked him in. Mm-hmm. They then fired the gas gun and stabbed the man and beat them up. <laughs> they tied the couple up with tape in there, so they then took the couple to their incineration facility and tied them up. The next night, they raped the woman and then demanded money from the man. And the man was like, "I don't have that money. Like I just have a nice car." <laughs> Yeah. When they realized he didn't have any money, they told him, we will kill you painlessly. They forced him to drink liquor, then choked him with a plastic wrap over his head. The terrible part is is that they made his, like, his girlfriend, the woman, help them kill him by wrapping, by, like, forcing her to pull on the plastic bag to make her an accomplice to prevent her from escaping. Well, the woman was really lucky because she was able to live. Kim Hyun Yang actually convinced the gang to let her live. He said it would be good to have an extra person that, you know, just be around in case they needed something. So they took the body of the man to a cliff, like via a car, mm-hmm. put him in the driver's seat of his car, and pushed the car off a cliff. Then other members left skid marks hours that, and then the other members, before they did that, they left skid marks hours before. So it looked like he, like, ran off the side of the mm. um, cliff. And so when the man's relatives finally reported his disappearance, 
Construction workers later found the car and they smelled alcohol, so they thought he was just drunk driving. Oh. Right? I guess that's a way to cover it up. It's kind of smart. I would assume that there would be some type of uh, suffocation marks. That's what I'm saying. So I don't know. I didn't really see if the cops were really... I think the cops were investigating, Mm -hmm. but um, they just figured it would be his drunk driving. Because at the same time, if he fell off a cliff, who knows how mangled his body was. True. So I don't know. It's a good question. The next couple to be... Um, abducted was a married couple. There was a man and woman. So the man was 42 and owned a factory in Ulsan. Um, on September 13th, 1994, before the Chisuk holiday, Chisuk is like their Thanksgiving, um, like Koreans, Korea's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Him and his wife were picking weeds off a family member's grave. That's when the gang abducted them and took them to the facility. They demanded 100 million won cash from him. So... He had just bought the factory. That's how they knew he was wealthy. But the money mm-hmm. that he did have was supposed to be for maintenance and workers' compensa- compensation. So okay. he said he did have $80 million, but not the $100 million. So he, they kept his wife hostage as he got the money. And so, um, and instead of, like, going to get the money himself, he had the workers get the money. Mm-hmm. So his worker was like, this is weird, and went to the police and told the police in Ulsan. And the police and. So the police department's jurisdiction got all mixed up because the mm. factory was in Guangzhou, which is another city. So this is like all over the map. It's so confusing. <laughs> yeah. So the factory was in Guangzhou. They went to a uh, police department in Ulsan. Mm-hmm. But the, since the factory was in Guangzhou, the police thought it was a fake ploy to hide the company's financial problems and was like, this is like all a rue. Oh, my God. Just freaking investigate it and see if there's innocent people getting freaking murdered. murdered. Like, come on. Anyways, the gang did get their money. The gang then forced a cafe worker woman, like the woman that they had kidnapped before, Mm -hmm. um, to shoot him in the head with an air gun. This is when they literally eat the rich and began to eat him. I hate you. They then forced the cafe worker to eat his liver because they, they, so they actually ate him because they thought it would build courage. So then, um, because they knew that the smell was really bad and awful, to hide the smell, they had a barbecue in front of their facility and offered pork to the villagers that walked by. Their cover-ups are so creative, and I hate them. I know. They're kind of smart. I can't no, lie. they're not smart. I mean, they're idiots. Well, you'll see they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um, then they suffocated the wife to death. I don't think they ate her, though, so that's cool. <laughs> okay, so we only eat men. Yeah. Like, a couple... Weeks later, they bought a list from the Hyundai department store. This list was the VIP list. So Hyundai department store, I've been there, and it's literally the richest place ever. Like, (laughs) it's wild. Like, there's, like, brand names like Gucci and, you know, Prada, like, all Mm -hmm. those stores. So they bought the list of the 1,200 best customers who paid with credit card there. They bought it from, like, a worker for money. I definitely feel like that's a... But it was illegal. Issue. Yeah, the worker got arrested <laughs> later, I will say. Yeah. But this is how they chose their next victims. So before they can make their next move at the department store list, the cafe worker had an opportunity to escape. So on September 16th, 1994, the gang was practicing throwing dynamite. <laughs> Casual. They wanted to free their leader. So they were trying to oh. like break him out of prison. Wow. <laughs> is that funny? It's really funny. Very attention seeking. <laughs> <laughs> so Kim Hyun-young actually got burnt during practice and had to go to the hospital. That mm-hmm. was the guy that said that they should keep her alive. 
Um, oh. So he took the cafe worker with him to the hospital, and he trusted her. So he left it her with, like, $500 mm-hmm. now, USD, and a cell phone. Mm-hmm. So she took it – so when he was, like, getting work done by the people at the hospital, she took a taxi, called a rental car, and drove to Dejan, where then mm-hmm. she took a taxi to Seoul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she went everywhere to get away. She's like, I'm going to go as far away as I can. Exactly. So she hid in a motel in Yuxam Dong, Seoul. And had a male friend who she contacted through the cell phone to report it to the police because she was so terrified. Right. I mean, she'd been captive for um, two months. That's a long time. Yeah. Later, she also had to participate in two murders. Exactly. Talk about traumatizing. So later went to Soto Police Station um, and the cops, when she told them their story, her story, they thought she was high. And checked mm-hmm. her for needle marks, but found none. The chief criminal investigator realized she was talking about the missing married couple, not mentioned on the news yet, and was like, wait, maybe <laughs> we should be taking her seriously? Yeah, thank God he heard him. Yeah, so when the gang realized that she escaped, they were watching the local police department. But when they made no action from them, they assumed the worker just didn't report them. That's because she went all the way to Seoul, and at the time they were, like, located, like, their facility wasn't located there. Mm-hmm. So they thought it was, like... You know what I mean. Once right. again, the jurisdictions don't talk to each other. So <laughs> that's that's still a thing now. Yeah, no, for real, <laughs> it's normal. <laughs> so they, um, the cops actually traced the phone, um, and it matched her story. So mm-hmm. then they realized, oh, like there's this is actually real. Mm-hmm. So on September nineteenth, nineteen ninety four, the police waited in Kang Dong Un's apartment to arrest him. They then called the rest of the game, claiming to be the hospital, saying that he had an accident. Slowly, they lured each and one in and arrested them one by one. <laughs> it's lit. That is lit. On November 1st, 1994, they were sentenced to death for the murder of five people. And the only person who didn't get a death sentence was actually the girlfriend, as mm-hmm. she didn't participate in the murders. She was just, like, right. there. Well, yeah. None of them showed a trace of remorse, and one said that they regretted not killing more rich kids. Oh, my God. After saying Chill. that, they were executed the next day. That was fast. I know, right? Literally like a month. Now, um, so since then, the cafe worker actually had an interview years later, and she's still heavily traumatized. And that is why my parents worry about me. Oh, my God. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, (laughs) The first question I have is, did Kim end up getting out of jail ever? Um, I think he also got put away because the gang members told him about the first two murders. So he was probably ex- I think he was executed as well cuz he did kill like two people. So, are you ready to tell us about your story? Yes. I kind of went back to my roots. Um it's not it is technically a murder. Okay. Um a, with several people. But it's back to the roots of like disaster, uh mass chaos, you know, my mm-hmm. favorite thing. So, I of guess course. we're both doing a version of what we love. Um me you, being cannibals. You being cannibals <laughs> and me being major disasters. So I am going to be talking about Jung Sung Jin. Um, so Jung moved from Hapchun, South Gyeongsang, to Seoul, which is about 209 kilometers or 129.88 miles around 2002, where he found work as a part-time food delivery man and parked cars in valet. He was barely able to scrape enough money together to pay rent with these two jobs. According to Wikipedia and Murderpedia, he was, in, he was unemployed in April 2008 and was having a really hard time financially. 
End quote. According to unconfirmed reports, he was convicted eight times, once for skipping an obligatory training for military reservists, mm-hmm. for which he was fined $1.5 million. Yeah. Million it, one. That makes sense. End quote. So he was in quite the financial bind, which was the motive for his crime. It always is. Financial problems. <sighs> yeah. So on October 20th, 2008, around 8.15 in the morning... Jung left his apartment wearing all black, a, a headlamp, a ski mask, and goggles. He was holding a sashimi knife, and strapped to his legs were two fruit knives and tear gas gun on his belt holster. Behind him was a smoke-filled room. He actually had just poured gasoline on his bed and set it on fire. What the f- Right. Yeah, Chaos. As he walked out of his third-floor apartment, which was located inside a four-story tall Goshiwan. Stop! That's so many people live there. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Which is a low-cost lodging facility. He began stabbing and slashing at any of the residents that he could see as they were trying to escape the fire that he had just started. The lodging facility had 85 small rooms on the third and fourth floor, which was typically rented out by lower-income individuals. And at the time, there were 65 people living within the rooms. Jung uh, stabbed at least five people while he was making his way up to the fourth floor storage room. As the fire engulfed the entire building, one woman jumped out of the fourth floor window and died. They were also... There were also seven more that had been injured by him, uh, four of which were considered serious by either the fire or by him slashing them. Um, Mm -hmm. Three of them ended up dying, and three that were injured were from China. Okay, because a lot of times Goshimans have a lot of foreigners because it's a Mm -hmm. cheap place to stay for, like, not on contract. So, like, I have friends that stayed in Goshimans. Yeah. That makes sense that there was at least three people from China. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. It's also interesting, this specific building, the first two floors were commercial, and then the rest of the floors were residential. Is that normal? Yeah. Usually okay. you live on top of a like business. Oh, okay. That's cool. It's like a cute little downtown. Yeah, a little downtown area, you know, <laughs> like they do. So, 30 minutes after the fire began, 100 firefighters finally put the flames out. At 9.20, firemen... So many firefighters. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. But this place was on fire. Um, at 9.20, after they had tamed the flames, firemen began ent- entering the building to look for victims of the fire. That's when they found Jung in the fourth floor storage room. So, he was hiding out there. And originally, they How thought he that he... How did he know where to go, like, to stay out of the flame? Well, I think he and just got lucky. Okay. I think he just locked himself in the room hoping that he would die, maybe, and he ended up living. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, so that's when they found him in the fourth floor storage room. Originally, they had thought that he was just another victim that they had found, Um, But because of his strange behavior and what he was wearing when he was being questioned, they quickly began to realize something's up with him, and they began questioning him in the parking lot. I mean, the man had fruit knives stuck to his calves. (laughs) Right? He had, like, a ski mask and goggles. (laughs) And they're like, something's a little off about this guy. I don't know. I can't really place it. 
couldn't put my finger on it, but <laughs> kind of weird that he's wearing that during a flame thing. <laughs> Hi, do you want to leave? Upon further questioning, Jong immediately confessed to the crimes. Um, it didn't take much to get it out. Probably because um, how is he going to prove that he didn't do this? He's wearing a ski mask and goggles. At least have a change of clothes, my man. <laughs> right. <sighs> then handcuffed him and took him to the Gangnam police station, being charged with homicide and arson. While he was being interrogated, he told the police that he was in severe financial struggle. He also told authorities that he no longer wished to live. So that's probably why he went to the fourth floor. But okay, my question is, if you have financial struggles, mm-hmm. why do this? Like, maybe robbing a place, I get your alternative motive. Mm-hmm. But So, we'll me? get into that a little bit. Oh, sorry, jumping the so gun. So he told them that he didn't want to live anymore. And unfortunately, this wasn't um, Jong's first feelings of suicide. When he was young, he was bullied, and he had tried to attempt suicide twice during his middle school years. He mentioned that he wasn't able to pay his rent and his phone bills for months leading up to the crime, and that he felt like everybody looked down on him anyways. Um, After his middle school suicide attempts, he struggled uh, from severe headaches, but I don't believe that he had one at the time of the incident because I couldn't find any information regarding him having one during his rampage. It was also speculated that he wanted to express his anger for the wealthy with his rampage. Wow, we both have Eat the Rich. Yeah, so he was very Eat the Rich. He wanted to target the rich people um, and people of higher authority than him, but he felt it was too hard to do, so he attacked the people around him in his building instead. The people who are probably also financially struggling if they live in a Goshiwan. Yeah, because it's super um, cheap to live there. And the rooms were super small. Um, I think they said that only one person could live per room because of how small they were. Mm -hmm. Not saying that that's what actually happened. There could be actual families in there, but... Not usually. Trust me, I've been in one. That shit's small. Jong killed six people, and on May 12, 2009, he was sentenced to death. Authorities said that he was sentenced this way because his crime was premeditated and incredibly cruel. Police said that he was motivated by psychological distress, issues with money, and was inspired by a gangster movie called A Bittersweet Life by Jim G. Wan, which is a stylized and very violent gangster film. This film was very successful and has uh, a lot of awards attached to it. So... I'm not sure how I feel about the movie thing, but... I mean, it just sounds like a terrible excuse. So that is why my parents worry about me. Oh my god, that's really good. Mm-hmm. I have don't think I've ever heard about that case, so it's wild that, like, that really happened, and mm-hmm. that, I don't know, he could have really, like, hurt a lot of people. Yeah, I'm surprised that um, there wasn't more. Yeah, because he... I mean, he could have burned down, like, a whole bunch of buildings. I know in Seoul, like, especially in Seoul, like, buildings are really close to each other. If mm-hmm. you burn down one, I promise you the buildings next to it are affected. Yeah, probably. I just don't get, like, why, if you're in financial problem, why would you hurt other people in financial problem? Yeah. Well, for him, he was like, well, I can't reach them. Like, they're too hard to destroy. So why kill other people? Like, yeah, I, just... I don't know why you would kill somebody in the same boat as you because you understand the the emotional turmoil that that 
can be in. You know what I mean? So, no, that's a good story, though. Thank you. I thought but, it was interesting. So, after that, why are your parents proud of you? <laughs> Great question. Love that you ask. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've been talking a lot about um, my cricket machine. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, but the, I keep give the back. listeners more. <laughs> <laughs> what about my life? My cricket machine is right in front of me, so it always comes back to me. Um, okay, so I collect lounge fly book bags, um, the Disney kind. Of course. Of course. And I added two to my collection this past month. Um, they're gorgeous. I love them. And so now I have like almost a whole wall full of lounge fly backpacks. Um, because that's cool to do as a 25 year old woman and I can't um, think of anything better yeah I mean they're cute as heck I have a baby Yoda one and an actual Yoda one so I'm this really is why excited your parents about are it. proud of you where why are your parents proud of you um my parents are proud of me because my diploma comes in two weeks oh my god that's crazy are you gonna like frame it and like put it up on your wall I Yay. see a spot right above your bed that you can do I'm just I mean my entire blank wall Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I get my diploma in two weeks, and I'm so excited. My friend's actually bringing it because she's flying back to America mm-hmm. um, a couple of days afterwards after they give out the diploma, so she's going to send it to me. Oh, nice. Right? And I'm so excited to get it. Um, I'm going to have to make sure I pay for, like, tracking and stuff because I want that. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. I feel like this is a long time making. Are you going to do, like, a... I'm going to do a Facebook post so you can like mm-hmm. it, and I know okay. your mom will like it. Hey, Lisa, right. please like my Facebook post. <laughs> um, so, and maybe like an Instagram post. Your photo, are you going to post your photos then? You've yeah. Seen your photos? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you the campus that you had was very beautiful. It was very oh. like Harry Potter. <laughs> Korea University is gorgeous. I love mm. the campus. Oh, I miss that so much, the campus. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but I did Photoshop people out of the background. I did. Thank you so much. It's so fun. (laughs) There was one guy just like, I don't know what he was doing, but he was just like walking and like taking photos of things. And like, get out of this. It's for my friends. You know what? No, we're, no people are here. (laughs) Vacant lot. Yeah. That's so fun. But yeah. Okay. Let's wrap up. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. It was so fun to be able to talk about Korea a little bit and give you a little bit insight of my time there. If you have any questions about my time in Korea, feel free to reach out to us at why my parents worry about me at gmail.com or check out our Instagram, why my parents worry about me. Or if you want to tell us your own proud parent moment or why your parents are worried about you, but we're not therapists, feel free to, (laughs) um, you can listen to us on all major streaming platforms and yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We really love this like podcast and doing it, and it's so fun to get to do this every other week now, every first and third week of the month, and thank you. Yes, absolutely. As always, everything that Mona says is correct. Uh, that <laughs> statement is good, so you want to wrap up? <laughs> thanks, Taylor, for the two cents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a woman of many words. <laughs> anyways thanks guys so much tell your friends and family about us and we'll see you in two weeks bye